0: Welcome back to the Fabulously Expensive Deck Podcast. Uh, I'm Lydia. I'm Max. And today we have somebody named John here.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh,
2: ladies and gentlemen, this is John Lurie. Uh, John Lurie is an author, a professor, a traveler, and uh, as of about three years ago, a heart transplant recipient. That wow. is true. All of that is correct. Uh, good. I'm glad I didn't write down any lies.
1: Well, what about the part where I ran for president in 88? That's you right, did. the 88 presidency. Yeah, I was on the uh, Bull Moose ticket.
2: Yes.
0: Oh, understood, understood.
1: <laughs> it was, it it was, was a-
0: How <laughs> retro of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the Bull Moose <laughs>
1: Oh my Long live Teddy! You know they say I uh, I tanked Gary Hart's presidency as a result of the four votes I Come got. Come on, Mr. Lurie. <laughs> I know. Who? I Gary was responsible Hurt? for uh, George H. W. Bush's presidency. There you are. Okay. All right. <clears throat> yes, indeed. Uh, quite an honor, I guess. I wouldn't say so.
0: Okay, cool, fair, fair. we're <laughs> so on the same page. There. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page.
1: I'm horribly reviled by the Democrats. What is reviled? Reviled. I don't know. Reviled means uh, hated. It's another word You're, for hated. Wait, You're hated by what? the Democrats. Well, yes, because I tanked their candidate. Oh, because oh, I ran as an independent. Did you? Yes. Is this actually real? No, no. This is oh. <laughs> okay. total bullshit. Yeah, none okay. of this makes Did sense.
0: Did you get your lying gene from the Lurie side
1: then? <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. A <laughs> <laughs> Under-
1: <Ooh>. Under- <laughs> 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 little close <laughs> to home. Yeah. Yeah. Without a oh, doubt. that's. We can
0: move on. So- that
1: is at the center of our psyches. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh,
0: perfect. Love yeah, it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Sorry, none of them listen to this.
0: Okay, cool. John. Uh,
1: yes. Um, Lydia? I've
0: known you for about uh, five minutes. Uh-huh. What's, um, what's
1: your impression so far?
0: I- I'm a huge fan of oh, you. Oh, great.
1: Wonderful. I
0: think you're an incredibly honest (laughs) man who's who who isn't afraid to say your accomplishments and what you've done Mm -hmm. um but you're also very humble while doing that
1: well the thing is is i'm so good at everything that it's easy to be humble
0: fair it just comes so so
1: naturally yeah yeah.
0: because you're so good at being humble so you're like might as well be humble too i'm super good
1: at humility
0: okay there we go you know
1: if somebody is as humble as me they'll never be reviled that's true.
0: Hated. 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 Yes. I'm learning. Synonyms. <laughs> I'm learning <Like laughs> the English language still. Syn-
2: John, what is, what is something that has just come naturally to you in well, life? Okay. In all
1: seriousness. Let's start that now. Should we be serious? Nah. I don't in, know. Should we be, okay, in, in some seriousness? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. It brings up a story. Of, mm. You know, I, I thought I'd come on and tell some stories because he just said, That's I, I said, want. what do you want me to come on for? And let's uh, just like talk about you. Yeah, and I'm really yeah. good at that, as mentioned previously.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah I think he needs to be a permanent co-host. <laughs> oh
1: God, I'm losing my spot. Uh, oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no, Max, you're irreplaceable. I assure you. <laughs> Lydia, can we talk? <laughs> oh great, after this, after this. I'll be over here. We're gonna need someone to run the board. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. you'll have to
0: buy the mics for it, though. Oh shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I think one thing that's come. Naturally, to me, is just sort of um, being able to think on my feet mm-hmm. and okay. not be too concerned about the future, mm-hmm. but just feel very confident that whatever comes, I can I can handle it. Yeah. An early lesson of this for me was um, back in like um, this must have been the mid 90s, mm-hmm. so in the previous millennium.
2: Um, I don't remember the mid 90s. Yeah, I um, mean, I was shitting my pants and sucking titties.
1: Oh well, so was I. <laughs>
2: Quaaludes. <laughs> hell of a drug. I was an adult, though. Yeah. <laughs>
0: wow. That was good. That was it good. sounds
1: like we had a lot in common. Yeah, Yeah. S- yeah. Still um, So at the time, I had three young daughters mm-hmm. and was married. And my family was living on the Rosewood Reservation in South Dakota. That's a different story. We can talk about that later. But of course. the fact is we had to leave in an awful big hurry. Things were coming down. We were, we were kind of these left-wing activists, human rights activists, you could say. Sure. And that doesn't always uh, please the powers that be. No. So we had some people coming after us. So we packed up in the middle of the night, and we went west without knowing where we were going to go. We were kind of headed for Seattle. Well, uh, my wife and her car was out in front of me. I was in the U-Haul. Okay. And I get a call, or um, somehow we communicated. I don't even know how we did in those. Did we have cell phones? In There were cell phones. It was 94. Could have been in the Car? No, there were de- I mean, there were cell phones, but yeah, they weren't... Maybe we had flip phones or something. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, she's like um, in I- northern Idaho, mm-hmm. which is like the home of, uh, the, you know, the Nazis. Potatoes. Nazis. Oh, is it actually? Yeah, yeah. The Aryan Nation is based in northern Idaho. And northern Idaho is very small. It's like a sliver. It's about maybe 60 miles wide up there between yeah. Montana and Washington State. Oh. There's like a little sliver of Idaho that sticks up through there. And so we were in the main white supremacist corridor. Cool, sure. But it's gorgeous. It's, so, oh, it's, it's okay. alpine. And, <laughs> it's mean, everything white people love. Well, right. take, take, the, take the white people out and it's like the place to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, my Jewish ass pulls up in that neighborhood. <laughs> no, well, we'll get to that later. But <laughs> We're sidebarring a (laughs) lot. Yeah, I love it. So so I get a call from from my wife, and she is out ahead of me. Like I mentioned, she said she's in a small town called Wallace, Idaho, right off the highway up the interstate. And uh, she said it's absolutely gorgeous, and she met some people, and they have a house for rent. Oh, no. So, um, okay, I mean, we got nothing else to do. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty cheap. And Mm -hmm. uh, so we get there and kind of move in, and I'm like, okay, now what? Now, obviously, go look for a job start looking for a job and it turns out the reason why the house was so cheap was because everybody has fled the area due to um, the silver mines closing it was a silver mining area oh, okay and the silver mines had closed and everybody was unemployed okay so they're like you know go down to social services um hey can we get some food stamps cuz uh, my kids are starving <laughs> cuz i can't i don't have a job yeah. and i can't find one so you know we got some food stamps to get us through for a month or whatever and in the meantime, I mean, they asked me, like, why the hell did you move here? And like, we have no jobs. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> we were heading west. It was just an, it was an act of desperation, really. Yeah. Because we were under the gun where we were at. Okay. Anyway, so um, I'm looking around, wondering what, what I'm going to do. And notice there are two ski areas in the region. Okay. Within, you know, 30 miles either direction. So... Um, I'm walking around in town one day and I see this store it's called Bat Wings and I'm looking through the window and I notice they're making these really cool gloves mittens. Yeah. And they have their own, you know, label and it's pretty cool design. I walk in, I meet these three dudes and they're all snowboarders. And they're making these cool mittens for mm-hmm. for snowboarders. Sure. Now, I snowboarding was really new then. Okay. And it wasn't allowed on almost any like resort in America. Mm, Interesting. It's too cool. It was too cool. <laughs> yeah. They thought it would get in the skiers' way. They yeah. thought it was unsafe. They, well, it wasn't legitimate yet in the yeah. eyes of the resort owners. Of course, snowboarding would end up saving both the resorts and the sport of skiing in right. the process. But all right. Um, so, one of these guys, you know, I told them I couldn't find a job. They're like, well, you know. Uh, Lookout Pass was the name of one mm-hmm. of the spots. Lookout Pass is hiring snowboard instructors this year. they're gonna they're gonna allow snowboarding. So I'm like, oh, well, that's cool. Yeah mm-hmm. Never touched a snowboard in my life. Mm-mm. but I used to be a skateboarder. Okay. And I felt pretty confident I'd seen it on TV. I thought, well, that's the same as skateboarding. I can just hop on and go. So I ended up buying a used skateboard from some snowboard from some kid in town. okay. And the places weren't open yet. It was still fall. But there was snow on top of the mountains. This this place was completely surrounded by tall mountains. Beautiful. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And so I climbed the mountains, went up to the snow the snowfield on top, and just started riding the snowboard. Yeah. And got I mean you know the snow was thin, so and then the rocks were big. Yeah. <laughs> so I got pretty thrashed, you okay. know, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, as you do when you're learning to snowboard, I had right. no one to teach me, and I had no examples because like no one I knew had ever done it. Right. Except for those guys back in the store that were making mittens. So, um, I got to a point where I was good enough, Mm -hmm. you know, I could ride the thing, I could stop, uh, and without falling too much. So a couple weeks later, I reported to Lookout Pass Mm -hmm. and took my tryout. Oh, God. And because no one knew (laughs) what you're supposed to look like when you snowboard, I got the job. There you go. And so I, I spent that whole winter snowboarding, yeah. getting paid for it, uh-huh. and it was all on the basis of, uh, I, it was a necessity. I needed a job, and I got a snowboard, and I made it happen. Yeah. And so that's kind of an example of, yeah. maybe I'm not the greatest snowboarder, but I'm pretty great at just kind of figuring out how to navigate and yeah. hack, hack life, as it were. And that's something that throughout your life has kind of
2: been a, a whole... Theme, I would say so. If you will. Yes. Uh, hacking life. Um, and something that you've also hacked really well is um, the, the relationship between teacher and student.
1: Oh. oh. Well, thank and, you. Yeah.
2: Um, you're a teacher at one of the large universities here, the University of Minnesota. Indeed. And you teach a class called experiential learning. Yes, I do. Um, will you explain how you have hacked the, the education <laughs> system... Lydia, okay. stop mimicking my hand gestures. <laughs> uh, the education system on how to be able to teach students in experiential learning. Okay. Whatever the hell that is.
1: Yeah. So actually, um, I do have a master's degree, which is what you need, a minimum of a master's degree to teach at the university level. Okay. What's your master's in? It's in creative writing. Cool. I have an MFA in creative writing. Humble brag. Well, you know, it's part you of should, the conversation. You should, yeah. Well, I have an MFA in creative writing. He's one, one of the best max. people at being... I got all A's in grad school. Oh, good
2: for you. <laughs> I went to college for nine days.
1: <laughs> oh, well, wonderful. I'm looking down on you from my perch. <laughs> yeah, good. From my high-reach tower. <laughs> well, you you're in my
2: basement right now.
0: So. We're on the same level. Lower level.
1: <laughs> Man. All right. All right. <laughs> so... You know, I used to teach creative writing. I taught yeah. at, at McAllister for several years. Oh. Um, we probably, well, we can talk about that later, if at all. But um, it was, you know, I, I, I discovered I'm a pretty good teacher. Yeah. And I, I, I like it. Cool. Um, and um, one day I got a, I don't know, a phone call or something from some people at the University of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And they said that they were looking for somebody to teach their experiential learning class. And I said, "Well, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking, why me? Like, I have no background in this. I mean, as far as formal education, right? I don't have a degree in it. I never took a class in social work, which is kind of the, you know, the heading that it's taught under. Okay. And um, they're, you know, they're like, well, you know, just come meet with us. Mm-hmm. Turns out, um, the professor who was interviewing me was Dakota, Native American. Mm-hmm. And she knew my work because I was, I was doing youth work at the Minneapolis American Indian Center at mm-hmm. the time. And the work we were doing was taking um, Native kids on their historic canoe routes. Cool. So figuring cool. out what they were, wow. why they were used, you know, what time of year they were used, and then get kids out on them. Yeah. yeah. And it was a really powerful program. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it had a lot of tentacles and it made a lot of change in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Like I'm hearing now about canoe building programs in places mm-hmm. like uh, the lower Sioux reservation down South of here and up North at Red Lake. And the people involved are people that used to be involved with me mm-hmm. Cool. down here. So it's like really cool. Uh, the name of Lake Calhoun was changed because of an event we started through our canoe program.
0: Wow. All right. Did yeah. you
1: get pushback when you started working
2: with natives on being a white guy?
1: We'll get back to whatever we were talking about before, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I'd like to answer that question. All right. I'll write it down. <laughs> White guy. Where were we headed? Oh, we were talking about experiential, experiential learning. Experiential learning. Well, I thought, <laughs> you know what? The thing is, is that when I was 18, I started leading kids on canoe trips, mm-hmm. um, and I had grown up going to canoe camp in Boundary Waters, Camp Minogen. Mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, I was super well-versed in the outdoors, but not as a leader, mm-hmm. and um, you know, starting at 18, just kind of jumping in. And then I just kept doing it, kept doing it, and, um, you know, ended up becoming somewhat of a, an expert at the – it, it involves a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you got to know how to take care of kids. You got to know how to yeah. navigate. You got to know all about the canoeing stuff, how to use the equipment, how to pack. It's just a lot. First aid. Um, so, you know, they came and they said, we'd like you to teach this class. And I'm like, well, that's fine. It sounds like the greatest class in the world to teach. Yeah. However, how do you take what I do in the outdoors and bring it into a classroom for, you know, two sessions twice a week for two hours each? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was the challenge is how do you take all the lessons you can learn in the outdoors and translate it to the university setting? So um, I've developed a class where we go canoeing on the Minneapolis lakes. We go um, rock climbing at Vertical Endeavors. Okay. We do fire building. We actually build campfires mm-hmm. on campus. No. <laughs> All
0: right. That's what they call them, campfires. Well, yeah.
1: they, you know, they are. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I bring more ingredients. And, oh, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? I and a lot heard. of the kids have never had one. You oh, know, yeah. A lot of the kids I have are immigrants or mm-hmm. from communities that never went camping. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. And also if you're going to make future youth workers, they better know how to build a damn campfire.
0: Probably. <laughs> it's fair.
1: Yeah. Sometimes they'll be like looking at me like, how is this academically applicable?
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'll like, show you.
1: I'm like, see that building up there? There are scientists up there who know how to splice soybeans, but they couldn't build a fire to save their lives. Well, <laughs> so, no. That's fair. No. Why would you want to splice a soybean?
0: GMOs.
1: Yep. There it is. Oh. Yeah. That's above my pay grade. Yeah, you want to instill the soybean with certain qualities that it doesn't naturally have. Right. For mm-hmm. example, it doesn't require preservatives or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds a lot
2: like genetic modifying,
1: which Back sounds to the Nazis. a <laughs> lot like the Nazis. There's a lot of Nazis.
0: <laughs> if you think about Nazis
1: <laughs> <laughs> the
0: Nazis really invented GMOs. That's why we should be non gmo That's right. Uh,
1: the not the, the tentacles of the Nazis obviously continue to this day. Speaking about the know. Nazis, yeah. the pictures behind us. Uh-huh. Yeah, this those. is your grandmother. I recognize her. At the
2: signing of making Israel a state. Are you serious? Yeah. That's what that picture That's is. That's what this is. So this is where is he? The first prime minister of Israel.
1: Ben-Gurion.
2: Yeah, that's him there with the crazy hair. Um, and then that's your grandma. Yep. And
1: this... Paulette in- Au Pair.
2: Yes, and she's one of the signees on that document. Are you
1: serious? Yeah, and I've, I've seen the document. I never knew that.
2: Yeah, there you go.
1: I mean, I knew she was. I knew she was there and she was contributing, but I didn't know she was signing the document. Yeah.
2: Grandma was telling me stories on how she'd always hang out with her friend John. And later, I found out that was John F. Kennedy. Grandma, who your my grandma was talking about? Your grandma, her mom.
1: (laughs) So my mother was talking about her mother. Her
2: mother hanging out with her friend
1: Jack all the time. What?
2: And I was I was wondering who Jack was, and she goes, "Oh, John F. Kennedy."
1: Oh, I think someone's gone a little insane, perhaps. Oh, well, have you met your mother? Have I met John F. Kennedy? Have you met John F. Kennedy?
0: So <laughs> you cannot confirm or deny.
1: You but, know. Yeah, I don't know where these came from. I believe he died several years before my birth. Yeah. All oh, right. <laughs> yes, right. but so I, I don't know where these photos came from. Uh huh. But they were sitting in in my office area. Insane today. So. Well, you oh. know how they do. A, they do a lot of those Holocaust presentations, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, my my grandmother did when she was alive. So she would make these kind of photo boards. Okay. As well ways of, you know, illustrating the stories she was telling. Yeah. Amazing woman. What was the story? What was the question you asked me Experiential learning. We talked about that, but there was something...
0: what's it like being a white guy? Oh, white guy and... A white uh, guy
1: working in Native communities. Yeah, because you did...
2: You have done a shit ton of work inside inside Native communities, not just for Native communities or with, but inside. Yeah. And so... In my experience, mm-hmm. um, I have a friend who's native, and he tells stories how when white guys want to come in, mm-hmm. it's almost like a fuck you, you can't do this yourselves sort of thing. So what kind of pushback did you
1: get? You're saying the natives say fuck <clears> you? or the Yeah. White? Um, well, I started when I was really young. So I moved to the Rosebud when I was 24. Okay. Um, being young had its advantages and its disadvantages. I think the advantages were um, people... Think that you're probably malleable, that you're not set in your ways, and that you're not probably some arch conservative dickhead who's gonna come there and try to impose some Nazi bullshit on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Nazis. Um, but at the same time, people challenged me, like like young young men who were around mm-hmm. wanted to challenge me and wanted to, you know, define me. And yeah. so I had to I had to learn just, you know, how to talk to people. And what was very intimidating at the beginning just when you were able to break down that barrier, mm-hmm. you realize that so much of that hardness that they were presenting was just, um, it's just a front mm-hmm. that these people are so warm hearted and so funny and so into humor and laughing. And one of the reasons why they seem so, it can seem so, so hard mm-hmm. or hardened is because they've been so hurt yeah. by people who look like us. Yeah. Right. And so it takes a while, but, but, you know, there's a thing in a lot of spiritual communities, but um, the native communities I've lived in are, are all, always spiritually based. Mm-hmm. And they have spirituality at the center of, of their, their culture, mm-hmm. as many indigenous cultures or maybe every indigenous culture does. And um, there's, there's a thing about um, the spirituality which says that the spirits themselves don't see color so that if you go to like a sweat lodge ceremony mm-hmm. or a Sundance or something where literal spirits will come in and do the healing, mm-hmm. this is something that we don't see in our communities. But <clears throat> Not at all. No, but this is something that exists and something that's really, really special about the Lakota way is that they still have that. Yeah. And they don't, the, the spirits who are, in some cases, former humans, and in some cases, just spirits that take on other forms, they don't know if you're this or that or the other. They just know that you're a life form and they're there to help. Yeah. And so ideally on the human level, mm-hmm. it is for people to not, not, see, not see color or race. Uh, that, That is the goal. And um, so... It's just a matter of relationship building, of, of watching yourself, of being really aware of yourself, mm-hmm. being aware of how people might see you, and ultimately, it's having a good sense of humor.
0: Yeah. Because
1: if you can laugh at yourself...
0: Sure.
1: Everybody laughs with you, and you can laugh back at them, and yeah. doors fly open. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really it really comes <clears throat> down to having a sense of humor.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome.
1: So
2: you did... So there... It sounds like you didn't experience much pushback. Maybe at first, but mm-hmm. you you just said, I'm a good guy. I'm not here to
1: <laughs> do say. some bullshit. No, the thing is, the pushback <clears throat> never ends. It, it, it's like, right. at this point in my life, okay, I'm 52. I've been involved with Native communities in various ways since I was, you know, in my early 20s. At this point, I have had enough interaction, had enough experiences, had enough spiritual interaction. Whereas I know that people who are really down, people who are really real and trying mm-hmm. hard to do good in the world... They see me for who I am. Sure. I don't need to explain myself. No. And a
2: great place where you can see you for who you are is in Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark music video.
1: Oh, <clears throat> I told you not to bring that up. <laughs> How Did you really? on earth? No, I'm not talking <clears throat> about that.
2: I'm just thinking right now is a good time. <laughs> you know, we've opened up about each How other. How is this a good time? I, I think this I is a th- great time. Did yeah, you get what? to hang out with Courtney Cox?
0: Oh, 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 that music <clears throat> video. Oh.
1: Dancing in the Dark. Yes. Was filmed at the old Met Stadium in mm-hmm. Bloomington where the Mall of America sits today. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. Bruce Springsteen was playing a show. And this was in the early days of MTV uh-huh. when, you know, people were just learning how to make music videos. Uh-huh. And I was in the crowd, and somehow they took a pretty long shot of me <laughs> being, you know, like into what was going on, on the stage, uh-huh. getting down as a young man. And uh, you can see it, you know. You can see me now today. I think I was wearing a red T-shirt. Mm. It was a blonde, and blonde hair, hair yeah. All right, in front yeah. row, right on this, right, right against the stage, very close. And um, yeah, so I was in the dancing, <laughs> dancing in the dark video. Lovely. But did you get to hang out with Courtney Cox? That's the real question here. That's, I'm not. I, I can't talk about that. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's right.
2: I understand. yeah, yeah. So Alfer, Revan, Take
1: well, about two? Courtney Cox. Yeah, yeah. The thing about. Her. <laughs>
2: Well, the guy who played Carlton on uh, yes. Fresh Prince of Bel Air yeah. says that he got the famous Carlton dance from Courtney Cox in
1: the Dancing in the Dark music. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's where he says yeah. he got that from. Yeah, that was an iconic dance that she did up there. Yeah, yeah. None of us knew that she was Courtney Cox. I don't well, even she, think wasn't, she, was, she wasn't. She famous wasn't famous at the Courtney time. Cox yet, no. yeah.
0: It wasn't. She wasn't placed there.
1: No, she, she was. was placed there, oh. but she wasn't. Uh, she was in the front row, and Bruce is person like, you know points at her and pulls her up. And sure, <laughs> sure, sure.
2: And now every time he does that song, he pulls up the oldest person in the crowd. Oh really? Part of the so old, last the last show, because people know that they do, he does that, so they'll, you know, send him in saying, uh, "My 102 year old grandma is coming to the show. It's her 30th Springsteen show."
0: Oh, okay. And
2: so, yeah, the Has old. Has anyone late,
0: ever died coming prob- up? Probably. Probably. Okay. Can't start a fire. Ooh.
1: Weren't about your little world falling apart. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's that rich timbre. <laughs> it's called. It's a. It's timbre. timber.
2: Timber. I know timber. Jeffrey Tambor. Do you? Nice no, guy? That,
0: no, that's no, he's an actor. Oh. That was a joke.
2: Oh. Nice guy. Can yeah. can we get him on the show? Could, could we?
0: Probably, honestly. Let's call him. Okay, cool. cool, cool
2: I just him. wrote Tom Hanks a letter. What so did you say? I,
1: I said hi Tom. Uh, that was a good,
0: that's a good letter, good, Max. Good I'm good so start, proud of you. I didn't know you know how to address a letter.
1: Yeah. Okay. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, do you actually know how to do the envelope with the stamp and I the had to address? It. No, yeah. you didn't. No. You I asked didn't. your mom. Yeah, yeah. Mom. Trying to send Linda. Tom Hanks Mom, a letter. I'm a millennial. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mom, what's Tom Hanks' she address? A <laughs> yeah.
1: How do I send him an email? Wait,
2: how do you know his address? I don't. I just Googled how, where to send letters to Tom Hanks. Oh, and huh? what did you say? Uh, I'm raising money for a diabetes foundation. Because uh, I'm doing this hundred mile bike race in October. Right. Oh, yeah. And he has type two diabetes. Yeah. So I did not know. Thought I'd email him. Um, And, you know, little known fact, Fred
1: Rogers also had type 2 diabetes. Yes, he did. And he
2: he did it on his show, checked his blood sugar on
1: his show. That's right. Yep. That's right. You know, the thing about that movie, which I haven't seen, the the new Mr. Rogers movie. Fantastic. I love the preview where he's sitting at the piano and he's like, and people don't know how to deal with their emotions. But one way to do it is to pound the piano. And he goes... Boom! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the frickin' theater just shakes. And you're like at a Metallica concert, but then you're looking (laughs) at the screen and it's like Fred
0: Rogers.
1: (laughs) That dude was harder than any Metallica fan. Oh, absolutely. That guy
2: stood up for everything he believed in for his whole life. He's a beautiful man. Yes. And something you believe in is the pathways and waterways of Minnesota.
1: Oh yeah, let's talk about water. It's one of my favorite things. It's to one talk of your about. favorite things in the whole yes, world.
2: Yes, yes. Um, and you start? Did you start this um, uh, Mother of Waters? Did you start that, or were you just an integral part?
1: Well, no. I mean, that's that's my thing. Yeah, yeah. So, what the Mother of Waters project is? Mm-hmm. It's an educational um, educational opportunity. For those who would like to avail themselves of it, that can include anything that has to do with learning more about the waterways of Minnesota. Okay. My favorite way to teach is uh, I, I keep I keep several canoes down at Bidet makaska in Minneapolis. Um, should we work on that pronunciation? Bidet? Nope. Bidet Macoska. Is that actually how it is? Yeah. It's, it's not Bid- Bidet No, it's I not. I have a
0: bidet at my house.
1: Do you? Can it's I come an attachment.
0: Over my
2: ass is itching.
0: Yeah, I got
2: you. I got you. <laughs> is everybody's butthole in the exact same spot? Because I've sat on a few bidets and it hits It's not your- made for the butthole.
0: What? what? Is
2: yes.
1: Is it more of a... No, it is a butt feminine cle- nope. butthole... Feminine hygiene project? No, butthole. You
0: use it
2: as
1: that. Butthole cleaning project. It's, but- it's, a- it's primarily for the buttholes. Yes. yes. I also thought it was primarily for the vag. Nope. <laughs> for the boot.
2: <laughs> So That's, when, you write my, my, when you write my memoir, I want the title to be called Primarily for the Vag.
1: Are we yeah. going to do, do it together? Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Nail it.
1: That Primarily fun, for the Vag. But so Mother of Waters. Mother of Waters Project. So, um, yeah. So I I keep all these canoes down at the Minneapolis Lakes. And um, I, I have groups come down. I usually contract with summer camps or schools. And I combine, you know, canoe education with uh, native history of the area, because mm-hmm. there was, uh, until the mid-1800s, a Dakota village on Baday Makaska, on the okay. east side. So basically, when what's uptown today, yeah. mm. there was a village right there. And that's not too long ago. 1850, that's not long ago. No, like that's,
2: 100. No, that's when my mom was born. 50. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere right in Oh, there. Linda. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> makes sense.
2: <laughs> Either of you tell her I said that. And I will
1: uh, fuck you up. Pinky. Deal. At least he said up at the end of that. I yeah. was really worried. Oh fuck you right <laughs> down. Fuck you down. Hey, fuck you so hard. Um so so yeah, so I do education on the lakes and I will also go into schools sometimes or do workshops and presentations mm-hmm. for other groups. Yeah. I do this thing on Dakota geography mm. because um the Dakota people have an entirely different understanding of this area than you know, other cultures do. Right. Because when Europeans came here, they didn't care to say, oh, hey, you know, Dakota people, teach us about your land. No. They said we're just going to take the culture that we had back in, you know, merry Old, wherever the fuck. Right. And we're going to bring it <laughs> yeah. over here and we're basically going to pave over your culture mm-hmm. and not learn the first thing about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Europe's um second name is actually wherever the fuck. So I under- I'm thinking of yeah. using that colloquial term.
1: Yeah. And if I say it like this, wherever the fuck.
0: Ah, France. Yeah,
1: then you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're first generation, man. <laughs> you are. Yeah. So I'm from wherever. Uh, wherever where, say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Puff Puff, (laughs) Hemingway and whatnot. But the cool thing about being French in in Minnesota is that we have a a long French heritage here. Okay. Which is no longer acknowledged, of course. No,
0: I had no idea until you just told me right
1: now. So a a couple different ways. Uh, One, in the mid-1700s, the Voyagers, who were basically, you know, truck drivers by canoe, uh, they paddled all over this continent, and most of them were French. Oh, So uh, they came to Minnesota and spent about 130 years traversing the waterways of the state and collecting Mm -hmm. beaver pelts and taking them all the way to the East Coast Wow! Wow. by canoe.
2: That's insane.
1: Yes. So there's that. And also France believed that it owned part of Minnesota. Um, You've heard of the Louisiana Purchase. Correct. So Louisiana. (laughs) Yeah. Of which the state of Louisiana today is just a remnant of what used to be Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Right. Used to stretch all the way up the western side of the Mississippi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it included parts of Minnesota. Okay. Included Minneapolis. Oh. Because Minneapolis is on the west side of the river. It is. It did not include St. Paul. No. So today if you go to... I make, wouldn't
2: want St. Paul either.
1: If you No, absolutely not. <laughs> so if you go down, like where I live, I live on Nicollet Island. If you go on the, across the river from downtown Minneapolis... Uh-huh. So on the west bank of the river, the whole neighborhood there is French architecture. There's an old church there. Okay. Nicollet Island, all the homes there look like the French Quarter in, in New Orleans. Interesting. Same, same architecture. Wow. And then there's St. Anthony, Maine, and it's got all the French architecture yeah. and the cobblestone streets. So there is some preservation of that history okay. here. Wow. All right. Cool. That's, oh, one that's more thing. Cool. Yeah. Did you learn something? Yeah. If How you go you? to Paris, yeah. you will see... All the bridges that looked exactly like the bridges in Minneapolis that span the Mississippi. Perfect. It's because Minneapolis copied all the bridges <laughs> from of course. Paris. Yeah, yeah. Including That's that cool. Lowry bridge that is all lit up and is all, you know, you see it's pretty iconic.
2: Yeah, yeah. They that beautiful exact, photo I took of.
1: Yeah. That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they amazing. got the exact same bridge in Paris. Really? Yeah.
0: All right. Huh. Noted.
1: That's fantastic. Uh we're gonna
2: uh stop this episode here.
0: Yeah, because we're before we before we uh hold on. After killing it thank you after we take the break yeah uh we're gonna discuss your uh trip with jose
1: oh fantastic oh we're gonna talk
2: a little jose uh on part two of the fabulously expensive expensive deck deck podcast. podcast